Before we get started with this episode, I just want to show some love and support for those brands and people that we believe in. The first one is Sawed Off CrossFit Kids. If you are looking for a place to get your kids active, stay healthy, and learn how to move correctly, well, this is the perfect program for you. There's a coach with them at all time, writing custom programming for the kids' needs. They do games, balance, body awareness, weightlifting techniques, and so much more. Any sort of sports-specific thing, or maybe they just want to get healthy and stay active to create habits later on in life. Whatever your needs, this is the perfect program for your kids. You can take them by and try it for absolutely free. And if they don't like it, you can move on to something else like gymnastics or whatever you want to do. But you won't regret going by and trying it because you'll see your kids have a lot of fun and that the program is great. So head on over to the Sawed Off CrossFit building at the end of Harvey Road in College Station, Texas, and then sign up for the free class, Sawed Off CrossFit Kids. The next company is Sendero Provisions Company. They are a hat and clothing company out of Waco, Texas. The owner has been on the podcast. He's just a fantastic guy. Now, they're not a sponsor of the show, but I have their products. I use their products. They're great. I just got a shirt from their new fall line that came out and a hat, and they are so comfortable and perfect. Like The quality is unbelievable. You will not regret going over there as well and purchasing some stuff and supporting some good dudes. Also, they have a podcast, so check them out. Sendero Provisions Company. Google them on the interwebs, or you can go on to their Instagram page, Sendero Provisions CO. All right, let's just get into the details of somebody else that we really support, and that is the Gentleman Racer. What a fantastic conversation with Mike Satterfield. He created the Grosbeck Grand Prix. He started this thing as like a photography deal, and now it's turned into his full-time vocation since 2007. You'll hear all about it in this episode of the podcast, but what a pleasure to have a conversation with a dude that's not only so positive, but has created all these things for him and sources of income out of things that he really loves to do. Also, building up local communities and in small towns and just making dreams seem real. When you listen to him, you will believe that anything is possible if you just put some effort and time and work into it. So please enjoy and welcome my guest, Mike Satterfield. There we go, Mike. It's rolling. Awesome. Dude, thanks for coming over to do this. You're the very first podcast in person since this whole virus thing happened. Yeah, I've uh, done a lot of Zoom calls, and I think I'm kind of Zoomed out myself. So, yeah, it's kind of nice to actually talk to people and interact and, like, see people. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%, man. It's it's definitely, like, it's way better to to have this interaction in person. It's like, it, there's nothing, nothing replaces it. Yeah, I just did a, um, we had an award ceremony for a Texas Auto Riders Association, and it was all done on Zoom, and it was just kind of... Kind of sad. You, know, you did the, the award ceremony? <laughs> the whole award ceremony via Zoom. So it was kind of, it was fine. I mean, they wanted to announce it and everything, but you're sitting there kind of like watching everybody's reaction and you're just kind of like, eh, okay. And like they announce your name, you're like, yay. There's no one clapping. There's no acceptance speeches. It's just kind of like, and this is who got it. So the entire award ceremony took 16 minutes. <laughs> so it was and pretty nobody bad. Can hand, like you can't hand you a trophy. No, they're, they're, they're like, still yeah, figuring out how they're going to mail everything and ship it because they've never had to do it this way. We always have them in person. So yeah, so anticlimactic. Yeah, it was kind of like just send me an email next time. You know, <laughs> yeah. hey, you won. Cool. Yeah, we won. <laughs> Sweet. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, uh, I guess I just I ran across your page and I thought it was super cool. Like I look. You know, full disclaimer, I'm not a gearhead, I guess, if you want to say. I didn't grow up. My dad wasn't working on cars. I didn't grow up that way, that sure. type of stuff. However, I do love them, and it's awesome. It's something, like, I fantasize about being able to do and then having old cars and, like, an old Jeep or truck or something. That's what, you know, that's the style I go towards. But I was super interested in a couple of things is that your website, like I was telling you before, it read, you know, you started with photography and then it turned into a full-blown magazine and like a way for you to make money and all that good stuff. So I don't know, like, how? where did you get the idea to even start this whole car journey? So cars for me started really, really young. My dad did work in the industry. He still works in the industry. He's a consultant still. It does stuff in automotive design and manufacturing and marketing and all that stuff. So kind of grew up with it. Um, my dad was always building cars for like the SEMA show and all the stuff. So there was always cool cars coming in and out of the driveway when I was a kid. Um, and like one of my earliest memories is like literally sitting on my dad's lap uh, riding in a 65 Mustang that he had. I was steering and he was you know, working the gas pedal. It's like my like most visceral memory from like as I was a kid. And um, it just kind of clicked. I've always liked cars and 
started buying and selling when I was really young. I, I bought my first car when I was 14, so uh, really just kind of got into it, and it just kind of snowballed from there. My, my dad also did photography. He was a graphic artist. That was kind of what his training was, so a lot was just kind of picking up my dad's camera, picking up my dad's tools, and kind of working on stuff with him, and I started shooting with his old 35mm Minolta oh, back when I was a kid. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, learn, I think learning shooting on film was so uh, important to how I shoot photography now because I have to think I had to think through it. I had like, you know, 24 frames and then I had to spend more money. Like it's not like now where you just I'll delete them all and start over again. And um, it just really made, made me have to learn how to actually use a camera. And everything was manual back then, so you had to learn how to use all your different settings and all those things. Now you just put it on auto and crank and then I'll fix it in post. And, you know, it makes, it makes it a little different, but, um, photography was kind of the catalyst to the media side of things. So, um, the first edition of my website was like the angelfire.net days of the oh, internet. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. When you used to take uh, your film to Walmart and get it developed and get it on a disc, you know, so you have to scan them all in. It was a big improvement. And I would just post pictures from car shows I went to. So that's kind of how that got started. And, uh, from there, um, just start putting words with it and growing and telling other stories, and it just kind of became its own entity, really. Where did you post them where people found them back then? Because it wasn't as easy yeah. as clicking on like Facebook or Instagram. You know, Instagram makes it <laughs> so awesome to follow people at car shows now and oh, yeah. all that yeah, sort so of stuff. Easier, yeah. yeah, so where did you, how did you, where did you post them back then? That took a lot more work. So, I mean, MySpace obviously was a thing. Uh, I had a MySpace page, and then. A lot of it was just because there were so few websites out there. <laughs> like when you would go and search something, you would find stuff. And uh, you know, I posted a lot of stuff that was locally shared. So it was like um, you know, Chino message boards. You know, I grew up in Southern California, like center of car culture. Uh, so a lot of it was kind of these little message boards. I mean, I'm sure you remember message boards back in the day was like the thing. So you'd get on like the the Ford message board, the BMW message board, and share a link to your stories and and all that stuff. So it was a, it was a very different internet, but. Um, yeah, it was kind of a community-based, you know, growth there. And then once, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all those things came, it just exponentially took off. Did that help your magazine growth? Like, from what you went from now and then when all these things came out, is that what really turned the page for your thing growing in the magazine? Yeah, I mean, we were doing uh, print stuff before. Uh, we actually had two print magazines a partner and I had that we ended up shutting down a few years back. But... um we, we were doing print magazines, and that was kind of a fun project, but it was being independent publisher, not having distribution to, like, you know, Barnes & Noble and those type of things was, was really difficult. We sold all these specialty stores. Um, but once the Internet kind of matured and we got all of the access to, you know, Facebook before Facebook was throttling businesses, like, we, we saw exponential growth. All of a sudden you could share stuff and create these groups and all these things started happening. It really replaced the message board side of what was, you know, the car world. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 gone to the point now to where um, I've been basically doing this full time since 2007, and a couple other small businesses that I, I work with. So it's been it's been a long time that I've been doing it, um, but it's it's been kind of the last few years that it's really kind of pivoted to where it's it's almost weird because it's now like the influencer side of thing, which I really hate the whole influencer <laughs> term, but yeah. that's really become such a big market. And it's different because unlike, you know, GQ magazine or Esquire or Maxim or any of those kind of traditional magazines, they'll have hundreds of writers cycle through them. Everything's kind of tied to me and my personality and things I like. So I'm kind of the personality, the front man of it. So the influencer side of things has really driven a lot of the growth um, just because it's so personality based and interactive, and people can connect with me directly and ask questions, and um, it's really, really changed the landscape from when I was actually just doing print work and writing and, and sending stuff to magazines. And I contribute to other magazines currently still, and it's just a different dynamic because if I write a story about an Alfa Romeo for Texas, Society Texas Magazine, which I'm their auto editor, um, I'll, I'll see a few people click through and, and look at stuff, but most people stay in that ecosystem. They're reading a magazine. It, very few people pick up their phone and go, oh, I'm going to look up this guy on Instagram. But in my story, on my site, it's got my Instagram linked right there. People can click through and start following, interacting, asking questions, tell me I'm stupid, whatever they want to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's so much more direct, and I think people really, really like connecting directly with authors and with creators and things like that because it just gives them access they never had before. Yeah, and like especially when 
when they really love something, like yeah, or hate you know, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they hate. They just get. I feel, I don't even know how somebody can hate your page and be like, "Oh, that car sucks." Or, oh, it's page. crazy. I, we we also build cars too. So uh, we built cars for the SEMA show multiple years. Uh, we're actually building a '62 Austin Healey right now. That's going to be a promo vehicle for the live events oh, that I awesome. do. And um, yeah, I mean, we had one guy. He actually went to the effort of tracking down my phone number. And it was for a, a, a Ford Fairlane that I built for the SEMA show a few years ago. And, like, literally, I get this phone call. And I'm getting tons of phone calls because we're building this project car. We're working with, like, Tremec and Goodyear and all these big brands. People are calling all the time, hey, we're sending this transmission to you. Or, hey, we're doing this or that. So I get a call. It's like, this that guy building that Fairlane? I'm like, yeah. F you. I'm like, oh, 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 like, what? And he just starts cursing me out because I wasn't restoring it back to, like, bone stock original. I'm like, it's a $500 car, man. Like, we're. Building a custom car, like calm down. But yeah, he just tracked me down and like wanted to, you know, just give you his peace of mind. Yeah, tell me that I had ruined that car. I mean, it was a '67 Ford Fairlane. They built thousands of them. It was literally a $500 car pulled out of some guy's backyard that we built from. And we got the car in June and we had it at SEMA in November. Like it was like a blitz to get it done. But it was just, it's funny. I mean, the 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 fan side of it's kind of weird because you do get the people that are like way too invested in things that you're building and doing especially in the car world and you're like like i don't know you man like it's not it's not really a like i don't know why you're so mad or why you're so into it but you know it's kind of a fun aspect of it we've had uh people show up at our old facility in california um it was like didn't have a retail facade or anything like that it was literally an old uh cattle barn that had been converted into a studio space and we had a couple bays to build cars and stuff in and i mean we had people from japan just show up one day and how they like, find it they tracked us down somehow and like <laughs> basically showed up and they're knocking on the door I'm like no one knocks on our door who's here and oh we're here to look at your cars we're like oh we welcomed in had fun it was great we've had people just show up randomly um yeah it's kind of weird we had one fan uh from the site send out uh, a painting they did uh, of me, oh, that's kind of which cool, was kind of wild. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's, as it's, long as the painting is like, it was actually pretty cool. They okay. taken it from a photo of me at a racetrack, and like, so it was like me at the racetrack. It was pretty cool. It, it is just kind of weird though when you start getting stuff like that just showing up in the mail, and it's like, that's why we have a PO box. Everything goes to the PO box. That's now. a smart move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to put your address out there anymore for all, like if people are already tracking you. That's wild. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting. So I mean, it's it's really grown now to like people will use the site's name the gentleman racer when they oh you're the gentleman like they don't they forget my name and there's like hey you're the gentleman racer it's like okay um so it's kind of fun um but yeah it's definitely changed like from the traditional publishing world to where it is now it's just like it's all personality driven it's all uh you are part of the brand like forever kind of thing is it weird for you to go from writing and that being like the behind the scenes like listen to you tell that like where you're you're writing stuff behind the scenes and that's a totally different skill set you know what I mean? Like, it's a totally yeah. different skill set to be in front of the camera that is behind the camera, I guess, oh, if you yeah. want to say. And so now you're, you're not necessarily in front of it all the time, but your your, your roles are changed with Much the way you public, distribute yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it used to be you kind of hide and just kind of, you know, tell stories and it was fine. Um, but as, as the site grew and as people really wanted more access and, and then all these opportunities started popping up. Like, eBay hired me to be a, do live streams for them from the Woodward Dream Cruise. So, like... I'm there live streaming for eBay Motors about the Woodward Dream Cruise and things like that. So you end up with all these kind of opportunities. And I think that's kind of been the key to success is like when people call up and say, hey, do you want to try this? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. You know, <laughs> don't don't have a skill set for it. I'll figure it out. You know, kind of just, you know, kind of wing it. Um, and it's it's been pretty good. I mean, we just had a guy call us and he wants us to come up to Minnesota and drive army tanks. And do a story. That's so and I was like, awesome. that'd be fun. Sure, why not? I got to figure out the logistics of it all. But I'm like, yeah. And I think that's been the big key to success is just jumping in and trying different things and telling stories about it. I mean, the site really, it's it's a car focused site, but I talk about all kinds of stuff on there. I mean, it's anything that catches my interest. So watches or menswear or James Bond movies or guns or whatever I feel like talking about. We just create a new section on the site and add a section and start talking about it so well you've done a super good job at that and that's what one thing I was gonna I really wanted to ask you too is like you do the watches you do like guns and all sorts of different things but it's very it's it comes off perfect for the name the gentleman racer like you know what I mean it really does come off perfect it's very sleek and like I don't want to say elegant is the right word but it's 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 really like 
the name and the style of the website and the way it looks and the articles you write and stuff, it, it all just kind of comes off and blends perfectly together. Yeah, appreciate that. I mean, it's again, it's just kind of anything I'm interested in. I, and my philosophy for writing was always if I like it or if I'm interested in it, there's got to be an audience of other people that are interested in it too. So sure. instead of trying to write stories to appeal to like whatever's trending on Twitter for the moment, <laughs> uh, I just continue to crank out the stuff that, I, I, that I'm interested in. And I think... I think honestly, in this year, 2020 is for for our site's actually been really strong. We've actually brought on two other contributors who do some of our new car review stuff, and uh, just to keep up with content. And it's been really good to see growth. And I mean, a lot of a lot of people are getting laid off in the traditional press, and are you know things are closing down. And we probably had one of our best years ever as far as ad revenue and sponsorship deals and sponsored content. Uh, and I think it's a lot of it's just because we never went political. I mean, so many of the car sites went so political, like just going for that clickbait. They were chasing, you know, yeah. you know, whatever was on Twitter that day, whatever the hot topic was in the political world, they were writing car stories around that. And I think, it, you know, one, it turns off a lot of advertisers. And two, people are kind of burned out. It's like, I want to go read a road trip story about Route 66. I don't want to read a, a road trip story about 10 ways to protest on Route 66, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So I think that that helped uh, with the site too. Maybe so. how to avoid the protest yeah. by driving a different route. Which which grill guards will help you get through protests best? You know, I mean, maybe that's a story we could do because <laughs> top top grill guards and bumpers for you know pushing through protests. You know, it is wild how everybody has to have a position now. It's yeah. so weird, like, and you. I guess you're right. Like the clickbaity thing is part of it, but. I don't understand where cars blend into anything that Trump or Biden say, or that, yeah, you know, like that doesn't make it's it doesn't make any sense to me. I want I want to know about cars if I'm going there, or watches, or whatever you're writing about. Yeah, I mean the only time we've ever had anything that's kind of political in nature is if it's like direct car legislation that's affecting automotive, you know, aftermarket, or you know, hey, these are new laws that are coming in effect. We do usually do a, a roundup here. Here's new laws coming in effect in January that are going to affect car people, like. You know, Texas had that huge law change a couple of years ago where all of a sudden dune buggies were all ruled illegal. So people oh, who had wow. registered dune buggies that have been built for years all of a sudden couldn't re-register them. So if it's something like that, we'll talk about that. But you know, finding out which car Trump drives, or you know, you know, what's your car? What car? What's your car says about your voting history? Or you know, this is this is so crazy. I mean, and, and I run into it all the time, and it, it's really it's really weird how. We've allowed it to creep into every aspect of, of media, and I think not going down that road has been really successful for us just because people can come there and turn their brain off and read about cars or watches or the real guns of James Bond or whatever whatever is you know on the, on the page that day. I mean, we just did a story today about this um, really interesting young lady, uh, Vanessa, who is an um, adventure rider. She rides motorcycles, but her whole thing comes out of uh, she had an accident. On, she was hit by a car that ran a red light on her bicycle, and then recover and decide, I'm going to live life to the fullest. And she's traveled all over the world riding motorcycles and doing trials, adventures. And you had all, you know, this, and she's like this motivational speaker now. And, you know, I like having the flexibility to just tell whatever story I want. And, you know, I think we've attracted a pretty cool collection of you know, stories and people and things like that that have, you know, we, we get people all the time that want to be on the site, all the time. And we turn down probably 90% of them because they're just, promo puff pieces about you know their book that's coming out or you know they're trying to promote something and finding these authentic stories i think has been a big part of the success of the site too is and and sharing stories from people that may not have the clickbait factor but either have their own following or need a bigger audience and, and giving them that platform i think has been really key too i mean there's so many great stories we've been able to kind of pull out of just random stuff and you know usually we do a lot of travel and with this year, I mean, we've done no travel except for in Texas. So uh, I did one trip. I did before lockdown, we got in the Mint 400, and that was awesome. Went and covered that and flew to helicopter chasing trophy trucks across the desert. And awesome. Super, super cool. Uh, and then we did a couple of shows in early January in Vegas as well, uh, some trade show coverage and things like that. And then everything locked down. And uh, it was kind of funny because being forced to look in my own backyard i found so many cool stories right here in central texas you know from austin you know calvert up the road here i mean i found sean star I was just at his shop today sean star is this incredible artist who has traveled all over the world you've probably seen his work because he does sign painting traditional like old school hand-painted signs and has done like transom lettering for like 
buildings in New York City, like in the you know, addresses and stuff like that, to big murals at Starbucks, to uh, La Carrera Panamericana race cars, hand painting all of the, on a three hundred million dollar Ferrari, you know, hand painting all the numbers and stuff back on. The guy's super talented, and he's in Calvert. <laughs> I mean, and it's like it's like 400 people in Calvert, and this yeah. guy's there, uh, and just stories like that. This guy I met through him named Justin, who is a car collector and kind of junkyard mechanic guy who builds these crazy contraptions and furniture out of cars, and does a bunch of stuff at Round Top, and just found like a '68 Shelby GT350 that was stuck in a garage for like 35 years. And, I mean, those are all happening right here. So there's plenty of content still happening so it's been kind of fun to kind of refocus and find stuff here to tell stories about well and that like that does that explain Grosbeck and the Grand Prix because <laughs> I, I mean I've worked in the area been through it I mean you wouldn't think that that's going to be this hot spot of a destination for race car driving I mean no not at all that's yeah. not what you would think but then on your site the, and then if you just look it up on YouTube there's all these videos of people driving it and everything yeah. and I'm going that's incredible. Like, how did you get the idea? Where did that come from? So, I it's- bought my building in Grosbeck sight unseen on the internet before moving to Texas. So, I uh, was looking... I'd, I'd come back... I was working in Japan for... I did a gig with Sony doing some photography in Japan and doing some stories. And I spent about six months there in 2016 just connecting with car people and telling stories and, and collecting content while I was over there. My best friend lives in Japan, so I uh, went over and spent a bunch of time with him. And then... I came back to Southern California, and I was like, I'm not doing an $800,000 house in, like, the worst part of town. <laughs> like, just couldn't see myself doing it. And at the time, I was kind of nomadic. I was traveling so much. I was in Mexico doing stories. I was in Nicaragua doing stories. I was in Europe. I was kind of all over the place doing wow. stories. And it didn't make sense to spend all this money on a house in Southern California or a building. I actually looked at some buildings. Cause I've always wanted, like, an old downtown building to turn like, a studio-type space. And... um I started doing road trips cross country, and I did a big motorcycle trip cross country um, with a, uh, a motorcycle manufacturer called Cleveland Cycle Works, and they had this 250 cc Chinese motorcycle that they were trying to sell in the U.S. And I convinced them to give me one to ride cross country That's as awesome. like an endurance test on this 250 cc motorcycle. That's so wild. Went from Cleveland to Georgia, Georgia through Hurricane Harvey to Austin. I did some racing in Austin at Circuit of the Americas, and then from there rode all the way back to California on this Chinese on motorcycle. On a 250. On a 250cc Chinese motorcycle, <laughs> yeah. You know, tucked in, open face helmet, uh, my grandfather's goggles on, like the whole nine yards. I wanted to kind of recreate like a 1960s or 70s motorcycle trip. So fun story, got lots of content out of that. But on the way, I'd stopped at a couple of places, and one of the places I passed through was Grosbeck, and I really kind of liked that area um, – it had a hospital, which I thought was cool. It had like an actual grocery store, Brookshire's, that was good. I was like, there's actually food there. There's a couple of restaurants. Because I, I was looking at some towns, like I was looking at towns like Rosebud, and I'm like, eh, there's nothing. There's nothing here. I can't even buy like a gallon of milk in this town. Uh, so I started like, there was a couple of key criteria that the town had to have. It had to at least have like a real grocery store and like gas stations, you know, stuff like that. But I knew I wanted to get out in the countryside because I grew up in Southern California on a calf ranch. We had a... Uh, family dairy farm calf ranch and kind of grew up in the rural area and it's all houses now um but i, I kind of settled on that this region of texas and um charlotte north carolina area because i do a lot of stuff with nascar and stuff so being centered there would be good and again they have an airport and Grosbeck is close enough to get to dallas fort worth there's waco airport there's plenty of airports around so those were kind of the criteria i'd be able to travel still and i wanted some space um so i kind of set these two uh, search functions on LoopNet, uh, which is like commercial buildings, and was getting emails when new stuff come available. And this building popped up in Grosbeck, and it's an old department store. It's about three thousand square feet. It had a giant hole in the roof, um, and it was dirt cheap. So I was like, hey, I can write a check for that. So I'll just buy it. Uh, <laughs> so finally found a realtor who would do it, um, and just wired the money over and. Uh, talked to my friends at gmc they loaned me a truck so i could load my race car up and a bunch of my stuff and drove to texas so um and then my sister ended up following me and my parents are now moving here so it's kind of become the wow they're all they're all heading over i mean i guess in the state it is now like they might as well just come oh yeah i mean i'm probably the last of my 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 friends to leave i have a few that are still there but almost everyone's left but 
Grosbeck kind of became this center for me. I kind of figured wherever I was going to land, I was going to plant a flag, and that was going to become my project city. Whatever city I that was going to be my project <laughs> city. So um, started working on, you know, trying to find a contractor for my building. That's been a nightmare. Uh, but I got there. Literally, there was a giant hole in the roof. Uh, the building was filled with garbage. There's actually on my YouTube channel a video of when I first got the building and, like, going through the building. And it's just, they, like, they just left. The whole fe- the roof fell in, and they just like there was typewriters on tables. I mean, there was uh, Dr Whoa. Pepper in the fridge. I mean, they just they just left. They literally just walked out of it. And there was a giant buzzard living in the ceiling that we had to get rid of. Oh, that's like, that, it, that stinks. It was it was pretty wild. So, um, <laughs> filled two forty yard roll offs with just the junk that was in the building, um, and then started looking for a contractor. And we're hopefully going to break, you know, next couple couple weeks get some work actually done on it because. There's not a lot of contractors in Grosbeck, in case you're wondering. Yeah, no. no I wouldn't imagine <laughs> so, um, that there is. But yeah, Grosbeck's kind of where I planted a flag, and I started getting really involved with like, the tourism board for Limestone County, because I work with all these different tourism boards for my website, and we're traveling and all that stuff. And um, I've always loved the Goodwood Festival of Speed over in the UK, and I thought, why can't we just do one here in Texas? So I kind of came up with the idea of October of last year and said, yeah, let's, let's do that. Never put on an event of this scale at all. Um, kind of just faked it. <laughs> just like, yeah, we can make this happen. Yeah, we'll make it work. Um, and created the website, kind of created the thing, and then just started talking to racers and talking to people and saying, hey, let's let's put this together. And uh, I had to go before the county commissioner's court and basically convince this board that they need to let me close down this county road so we can run a bunch of race cars down it. And they looked at me like I was insane. Like, no one's going to come here and do this. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. And we got this old Fort old Fort Parker, which is a really cool property. And my vision for it was to have the car show inside the fort, have the motorsports festival, and have these cars coming up Park Road 35 and racing and setting it's time trial. It's not fender-to-fender racing. And um, enough people thought it was doable that we were able to pull it off. And even with COVID, you know, we we capped we we looked at the motorsports guidelines for the state because they had specific guidelines like a PDF Mo- motorsports, motorsports event, guidelines motorsports events guidelines for the state of Texas for COVID like they have they have for everything from weddings I mean they have PDF after PDF or just anything wow. you can think of they've written some some bureaucrats written a guideline for it so we had to make sure everything lined up and uh, we capped our thing at four hundred people uh, we had about four hundred and fifty show up um. But, yeah, we had cars from as far away as North Carolina show up. We had um, Mike Powell with his vintage uh, Fairlane NASCAR. We had uh, Paul Haggard with his 1973 Chevron B23. Car won Fuji in 1973 in Japan, driven by a a Japanese driver. I mean, we had all these incredible cars from all over the country uh, come. And and when we did our post-event survey... That event, we were able to draw people from five states and 87 zip codes within Texas to Grosbeck. Um, I think my favorite story about the whole thing, we had a guy reach out to his name, uh, Mike Smith, and he'd grown up in Grosbeck. Hadn't been back since 1970. And he couldn't figure out how the website works. That's how I ended up talking to him because he's an older, <laughs> older guy. And uh, couldn't figure out how the website worked. Couldn't figure out how to buy tickets. I said, no, no, sir, just show up. And I put, a, put some VIP passes in, uh, in a bag for him you know, and gave him the VIP tickets and all this stuff. But... He he'd moved to Austin years ago, gone to school, had a career as an engineer, retired, had a Porsche now, and he was kind of a sports car guy. And it was the first time he'd ever brought his wife to where he grew up. It was the first time he'd been back to Grosbeck since 1970. And that, for me, was like the coolest thing, is that if we can create an event that not only is really good for the community, but is also reconnecting people and, and bringing people to... I mean, it's a beautiful area. We've got three recreational lakes. We've got Old Fort Parker. We've got the Confederate Union Grounds. We've got Booker T. Washington Park. We've got all these things in Limestone County, and nobody was, like, promoting them. <laughs> like, so, no, not at so, all. So, I mean, nobody knew they existed, and um, it was just really cool to uh, kind of get the event going, and we had some good partners come on board, and next year is going to be incredible because we've already, we're already talked about an automotive film festival being part of it and cruise auto auctions may come and do an auction out there and oh wow uh, so it's it's really going to grow and i think we're going to see a lot more stuff happening out there i've got some other plans we're working on for some other events um you know because again it's it's so centrally located i mean it's about two and a half hours from austin dallas and houston from where it's at i mean it's, it's within that range it's like an hour and a half from from Dallas, about two and a half hours from Austin, about two hours from Houston. So it's a really 
good central location for events and um, a lot of great country roads car guys like driving down anyway I was so, about to say like yeah. car people seem to like to go to these remote places anyway like yeah. if, you, if you were to hold something and do it right like they seem to take their stuff to shows you know across wherever and then set up in a parking lot or do whatever you know even yeah. car shows or whatever it is that they're doing they like to go to these little remote areas it seems like and just hang yeah because the drive is a big part of the the, yeah. the the event so yeah we actually worked with um a charity that did um a bunch of unique drives so we had drives from austin dallas and houston all coming up car clubs that were doing and they were raising funds for our uh, charity partner that was uh, drive towards a cure which is parkinson's research and all that fun all that funding was going back into texas which was kind of cool even though they're a national organization they worked with uh Baylor Scott White to make sure that funding went back into Texas Parkinson's research. So it's kind of a cool charity aspect of it too. Um, But the biggest thing for me is I I think, I think Grosbeck and these towns have so much opportunity um, just because there's space out there. It's pretty inexpensive to get in if you want to open a business or do something. And if you just come and, 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 and build something, people will come out to it. People are looking for things to do that are different and unique and, um, I think just you know, I saw I saw opportunity there, and I, I think it I think it did okay. We got a lot of good good press out of it, and I mean they were talking about us at a podcast in uh, Dubai. What? Uh, That's awesome. Uh, Alpha Club in Italy did a story on it. It was in a German newspaper. I mean, we had uh, a Japanese magazine do a story on it. So um, it got you know put Grossbeck on the map for a lot of people because most people when you'd say oh Grossbeck then where's that and now people are like oh yeah that's where the Grand Prix is that's where the Grand Prix is yeah got it yeah did you get all these people from your like did you have to reach out to them and use your connections and like just talk to them and say hey I want to put on this thing would you want to come to it and ask them what they needed or like the the hard work and hustle behind getting those people there or did you just put out the word and people just showed up it was kind of a mix um one of my partners who really helped me with it was a, a local Texan uh, named Richard Tomlin. He he has a shop down in Houston area, uh, and he does a lot of the race cars and actually builds a lot of race cars for people. So he was really instrumental in bringing a lot of the local racers. Um, but a lot of the, like the guys from North Carolina, I've known Todd and his crew for for years, and we've done stories about Holman Moody, and he's really into NASCAR history, and we worked on projects uh, in the apparel side of things for a while and things like that. So. Um, he was able to bring a couple people with him, and they had a great time. And it turned out that uh, Mike Powell's brother was Tex Powell, who was originally from the Houston area. So they made a whole trip out of it, came down, and oh, did yeah. Grosbeck. They went down saw some family in Houston, then went back to North Carolina. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really good. We had people fly out from California just to spectate. I mean, we had people from all over the place come down. I mean, we had people drive in from Shreveport, Oklahoma, all over Texas. Um, so, yeah. And this is the first one that you've done? The first one, yeah. The, the only first, one. For, yeah, it's the first time we've ever done it. I mean, and literally, like, it was it was skinning your teeth, like, figuring stuff out because that place has never had an event that big mm. in, in decades. I mean, <laughs> decades and decades. So, like, I, I'm, I'm, we're literally calling and finding porta-potties because the porta-potties at the facility we were renting weren't good. Uh, uh, weren't well. They were terrible. I they were scary. Like I showed up and I was like, "So we got those porta potties cleaned up, right?" Oh yeah, they're fine. I go out there. I'm like, "There's a fire ant mound coming up." I'm going, "Yeah, that's not gonna work." So uh, thankfully, our, our EDC director in Grossbeck and the Economic Development Corporation, the city city council, everyone was really on board. We had the county judge at the event. We had all these people there that were really on board supporting it. So we were able to make some calls and find like emergency porta potty delivery and you know stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was a really community effort. The volunteer fire department and the EMS units. I mean, we had a lot of local community people really get behind it, and they're really excited for next year. And you know, for me, the the thing was making sure that it benefited everyone in the community. It wasn't just our event coming to town, taking over, screwing things up, and then leaving. Um, so we worked really close with like the Chamber of Commerce and stuff to make sure that we had as many local vendors as possible. Like almost everything came from Limestone County. Uh, the only thing that really didn't was we had a, a big circus tent we had to rent that came from Waco area, and everything else was pretty much local. I mean, food vendors, drink vendors, um, that, everything. So and and my whole concept for it because it is a publicly owned park, the Old Fort Parker is owned by the two cities in the county. If you are a local and you have a business, you didn't pay anything for your booth space. So it's your park. 
Wow. So we had the barbecue guys come Dude, and set how up. How cool and, is that? So that's so great. Yeah, you know, we vetted them, made sure they weren't weren't selling like you know essential oils and stuff like that. Because it's like <laughs> we only need like maybe one, and probably none. We don't need five hundred essential oil ladies there, but uh, you know, because like literally like half the application like I sell Young Living. No, no, you're not going. Um, but yeah, I mean it was great, and we hope to really expand that festival side of it more this next year because uh, we had some great vendors show up, but. There was such a need. I mean, we had um, Apex Coffee was a sponsor. They came in from Waco. They make a really great coffee there in Waco. They're a roaster local, so it was only like 30 miles for them to come in. So we had coffee, but we had so many people were like, we want coffee, we want food, we want breakfast. Um, we want more people to stay. We had so many people camp. I mean, the thing that was crazy in our post-event survey, looking at it, like 65% of people that came spent at least one night. So people came for multiple days of the event. We booked out most of the hotels in Grosbeck, a bunch of them in Mejia. Um, and then Old Fort Parker has uh, tent and RV camping. So we had a lot of people that just camped on site. So uh, learned a lot this year. I'm going to apply all those lessons to next year, make it even better. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a blast. I mean, what a start to your very first one. That's, yeah, that's it was exciting. amazing. Yeah, it was pretty fun. And, uh, you yeah, know, we, we hope to have uh, an even bigger and better event next year. That's Man, that it's something that's like you would never, ever think about it. But you just looked at it like, hey, I'd like to do this. And then you got the whole community involved. And you said the judges are going after it. And I'm like, I mean, they'd be dumb not to. This is bring. Think about all the revenue and attention that it's bringing such a small little town in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a thing. I mean, if we can build this thing up. I, I did a bunch of studies because my background in marketing and stuff, I was able to do some, like, actual you know studies based on other events that were similar like so i looked at go to festival of speed i looked at the pittsburgh vintage grand prix i looked at other events around the u.s and around the world and i mean you look at what pittsburgh vintage grand prix i mean pittsburgh's obviously a bigger city but that one event is four days and it generates about 12 million dollars in economic activity so if we can get just a fraction of that in Grosbeck we're gonna be paving the streets in gold and you know everyone gets a bidet on their toilet you know I mean it, it'll be great so <laughs> so true it's so true but I mean the life that it, the, the happiness that it would bring to the, some towns you go through and you could tell there used to be life there yeah you know what I mean like it like oil, it's a big oil town so like when oil was booming at a certain point in time oil and gas and then they build all these things around it, and you could tell there was so much happiness and life around it at one time that just has flown away. Like, yeah. well, you know, I'm sure you saw that driving your your motorcycle. We travel a lot too, and you see that you drive through towns, and you're like, this town just looks like there's history here. Yeah. Of like one day there was that I I I mean this is the way I think of it. Like there's one day this is just like a booming place. Like it's a big area. It's it's an attraction for everybody around it, and then industry comes and something you know a different town does something else close by and it just kind of moves yeah people moves out people just i also i mean they kind of give up and for me i grew up in a rural community in southern california so for me i looked at it as an opportunity to come somewhere that does you know there's opportunities there because nobody's doing anything i mean i hate to say it that way but there's no that's there really thing. there's not a lot of people that are like there's a lot of locals that like own buildings or own properties but they're just empty and they're not doing anything with them. So that's one of the reasons I want to go to a downtown. I want to be part of that downtown revitalization. We're looking at bringing another business into that downtown night now that's um, going to be like a restaurant concept and all that. So we're trying to bring other things in there and really turn Grosbeck. Because Grosbeck just had a um, Jellystone Park that's going to be opening very soon out there. They're calling it Waco East, even though it's like 40 <laughs> miles away from Waco. It's called Jellystone Waco East. I'm going, it's not even the same county, but okay. But, you know, I think if we can if we can do a couple things and get our downtown back to where it needs to be, because there's some incredible architecture there. You, like you were talking about, boom, like Waco uh, or Grosbeck and Mejia, the two cities in Limestone County, the big cities there, they boomed in the 19, you know, 1900s oil boom that happened out in that area. So you had buildings go up and they were built out of the cheapest brick possible, quick as possible. That's why there's so many buildings that have fallen down in some of these towns because they were just throwing stuff up. My building used to have a second floor on it at some point, and it probably collapsed, and they just made it a single story again because <laughs> it was – I'm looking at a historic picture. I'm like, oh, it had two stories back in the 1920s. That's interesting. Uh, but, you know, there, there's just so much opportunity in these cities because so many people have left. And when I was talking to, like, our EDC developer, I said, you know, there's a lot of young people I've met in the city since I've been there. Uh, this young man, Reggie, I've been helping him with photography and kind of mentoring him. And 
he's really talented and does a lot of photography. I take him on events with me to shoot up in Dallas and things like that. And he's done really good. This is a kid, Teddy's another photographer I met. He's, you know, got a good eye and he's learning and he's, he's doing some good stuff. And my goal is to create a community where the kids have a choice to stay if they want to. And it doesn't mean working at Dollar General. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because that's the yeah. problem right now. It's like you have Walmart, HEB, those chains and fast food restaurants up in Mejia, and you have a couple of manufacturers in Grosbeck that do like fiberglass or fabrication for the oil industry, and it's agriculture. There's no other choices. So if we can create some, some other retail opportunities, entrepreneurial opportunities, educational opportunities there in town, I, I mean, I'm really excited that kids can grow up and they can choose to stay in their community, not have to go somewhere or new people can come in and create new opportunities as well. So, I mean, it's kind of like planting a flag and just hoping that other people show up. And it seems that people are starting to. I mean, we've seen uh, a big turnover in buildings there. Where we're located, there's no reason why that if we didn't build our downtown out, we couldn't be where the people from Waco who want to get away from the silos who actually live in Waco could come <laughs> out and visit us and, like, go to restaurants and do stuff out there because Waco gets taken over and they have, like, celebrations and all that stuff. I mean, it becomes a madhouse. So we're just far enough away that you can be a good escape from Waco. So uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there in Grosbeck, and we're going to see some some big stuff happen pretty soon. Obviously, you've already like kind of touched on it. And it, I'm, as you're sitting here telling me all the stories I'm going, I wonder if it's part of who you are in rebuilding old cars and restoring like things back, you know, restoring things and seeing getting creative and how you work things out as to, like, that's where the fun is in finding a place like Grosbeck to start all this stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like a project, yeah. Like, yeah. And that's kind of how I saw it. I mean, I, our building is really neat. We're going to kind of keep the original facade on it. But just opening that up there will be one of the – that'll be the first building that's been abandoned that's basically been turned over in years. I mean, there's 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 several properties in town that are just empty, um, but there's – there's a lot of stuff happening that I think part of it, the Grand Prix, I think woke a lot of people up like, wow, people will actually come here and do stuff and stay at our hotels and, and all that. And then, I mean, <laughs> we've got a 13,000 acre lake just 15 minutes from downtown. I mean, with, yep. with public parks and marinas, I'm like, there's no reason why we couldn't become a great destination for vacations. And I mean, there's, there's a lot going on that's kind of under the surface and, the EDCs are, are, are really good at working on um, bringing business. We have some new companies that are coming that are going to be opening in January. So I think we're kind of right on the edge of things starting to flip and, and turn over there. I also think a lot of that has to do with the the generational change. We've got a lot of these people that have owned these buildings forever that are either retired, moving away, passing away. Their kids aren't interested in – their kids live in Dallas or Austin or whatever. They're not interested in them. So we're starting to see some of that change over too where buildings are turning over and – um, younger entrepreneurs are coming in and doing some really cool stuff. That's that's so that's so awesome. It's cool to see somebody bring something to an area like that. And you're like listening to you talk about that in your motorcycle trip. I'm going like this is out of all the places this dude has been. Like you just said, <laughs> you were traveling to write, and you've seen all these probably pretty amazing, beautiful places throughout like your life, and get to talk to people and write the stories and stuff. And and then just this place hits, and then it's like. When you do things for the right reason and you just follow like what you're supposed to do, it seems like everything just works out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that it's been um, super smooth. I mean, I, 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 I'm still the weird guy from California, uh, so I, I, I still do all <laughs> oh, that. I didn't even think about that. Until, <laughs> like, until you said it, like, I didn't even think about it right like now. Every other, every other comment on like, like anything I post about being from California is like, don't you bring your L.A. values here, buddy. It's like... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, first off, I'm really not from Los Angeles. Thank you. One guy, I think my favorite one was... <laughs> Just assume uh, you're from L.A. Like, yeah, everyone's from California's Los Angeles. California's gigantic. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's funny. I, one, one guy uh, on the video about my building uh, that I posted was like, yo, welcome to Texas. Just, I hope he doesn't turn Grosbeck into Los Angeles. I'm going, the billions of dollars I would need to turn Grosbeck into Los Angeles. I don't think I don't think you've been to Los Angeles, sir. So yeah, yeah it's it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, the, most of the people have been super great. I mean, uh, I think everyone's kind of. I, I, I think I broke the ice pretty well by giving everyone different stories of what I was going to put in the building when I first moved there. People would come by. Oh, what are you doing in here? I'm like, oh, we're opening up. A, there's a there's a large uh, LGBTQ campground called Rainbow Ranch out on the lake. It's I like had the, no idea that was there. It's the largest, um, you know, gay friendly camp in Central Texas. 
Uh, really great people out there. They've got a beautiful campground on the lake. They've got cabins, and it's it's just it's great. And there's a lot of they're 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 fine. They're cool guys. And um, I, I told the first guy who popped in that it was going to be their uh, Rainbow Ranch in town welcome center. And his head his eyes got about the size of place, <laughs> like like a like a bar. And he's just thinking like like a gay bar. And he's like yeah. And he just let the next guy came in. I told him it was going to be like a church of Scientology. Oh um, which, which threw him off. Then I said it was going to be a Branch Davidian Outreach Center, um, <laughs> and it's right next to a Methodist Activity Center. So they were they were losing their minds about that one. Uh, uh, so yeah, and then I think my favorite one was I told a guy it was going to be a methadone clinic, and we were going to bring a bunch of like homeless drug addicts in from Austin and get them clean, put a hundred beds in here. Dude, that really gonna, scare them. And we're going to let them go into the community and really like you know become part of this community. And like so, they're all ra- like all of a sudden all these stars. Hey, you the guy building the. the no, what are you talking about? Where do you... So then they all think they're all crazy. They think all their neighbors are crazy because they've all had different stories. They've all been, I heard he's going to put this in there. No, I heard he's going to be a church of Scientology. It's like... And so they all kind of like figured out that I was messing with them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they kind of got the message that it's it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm not going to change their town. It's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> you seem perfectly normal to me. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know. I don't know. I mean, I, I do get their, their – especially in a small town. But like because, you know, conspiracy theories and you hear all – when you, One thing about traveling that I have – it's the best education ever is sure. that when you travel to places, you actually realize that things are different than what you hear on the media. The media is so messed up. When they oh, report yeah. on things and they, they tell you the way it is in a certain area, you're like, oh, you get there – it's not like that at all. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. This is this is totally different. I mean, you do do things different, but it's not like what they said. So, yeah. I mean, I get why, especially a lot of Texans are scared because a lot of people coming from California with lockdowns and the freedoms that you have in Texas here, which are great, they don't want to lose those. Oh, yeah. So, they, yeah. They, they look at you from, like, one person from California comes into Grosbeck and they're like, you better not turn this into <laughs> something crazy. No, it's, it's pretty funny because, like... Um, even at like our tourism meetings, like you know, one of our largest hospitality industries in the county is Rainbow Ranch. So I was like, so we didn't like invite them to the table for this, and they're kind of like looking at me like, why would we do that? I said, so I think they kind of understood when I said, I will open, I will turn my building into a gay dollar exchange. You bring me all the gay dollars that they spend in your business, and I will exchange them for 50 cents on a straight dollar. And they're kind of like thinking about like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, they spend a bunch of money when they come here and travel and go to our grocery store. And, like, and if you go on their website, they've got all our restaurants listed in town and all the stores to shop at, the grocery stores and all that stuff. I'm like, I'm like, they're doing their part. We have to do our part. And like, So it's been kind of fun like pushing against some of those like kind of like just – funny things that like it's not it's not anything that i think is on purpose it's just out of out of their mind this is not something that they they consider me with my background in marketing and also hospitality and travel and all the travel writing i've done all the different cvbs i've worked with and the different you know agencies i've worked with it's like yeah you got to get everybody on the same you know page going the same direction if you're going to make a a, visit limestonecounty.com work if you're going to make these travel type things work so uh, it's been fun. I, I really enjoyed working with a lot of the different boards and stuff in the county and kind of bring that around. And I think Gross Big Grand Prix really woke a lot of them up that there is a massive opportunity if you just market, you know, what we have to offer to people. And uh, We're working on some other events. I'm trying to get an event to happen out at the airport out there. We have a big airport to do like an actual like Fender Defender vintage like 12-hour endurance race. Um, so that, that'll be, that's wow. my next big, next big project I'm working on in the County. So yeah, that's, be fun. Uh, that's, that's so cool. That is, that uh, the whole thing is awesome. Like your whole process of everything with the two, you said you started in 2007, right? Yeah. And the site, I mean, the site kind of, well, 2002 is when the site started. 2007 is when I, I stopped working for other people. So, um, what two, made you want to take the, like, when did, what was was it making enough money, or did you like, man? I think I could pour enough effort into this to do to to like make this thing work. It was a combination of things. I was working. I'd gotten headhunted to work at this company that was doing classic car restoration parts, like Ford license, original reproduction parts, and um, it was one of those things where like your boss was just so stupid <laughs> that you're like, oh my gosh, like if this guy is my boss. Like he had a word. Of, my favorite thing is he had he had I had two bosses that were there. One was the owner, 
and then my direct boss was his protege, and they were both wildly retarded, like just really, really, <laughs> really slow. Like you're like, how how are you successful? Like, um, and like, like this is no joke. Like literally, I've got pictures of it, like from my old original smartphone back in the day. Um, the owner would print out what he thought were motivational quotes. One of them was his own quote. He'd print his own quotes off and hang them in the break room. That takes a special person to print yeah. your own quote off. And, and this quote was, it's always good to stop just short of your goals. That way, you don't have to think of a new one. Like, that was a literal, like, quote. And he thought, and he rolled this out on a poster, like, I, I you know, I've been thinking about this. These are some of the, the things. I'm going, you're, so, like, you want me to sell X amount of wheels... But you don't want me to, because then I'll hit my goal. He's like, well, well, no. I mean, it was stuff like that. My my direct boss, he had a word a day calendar, and he would try to work whatever the word a day was into like every conversation that he had. So like one year it was like, or one one day it was concur. The word concur. Oh my god. So he'd come up and just ask people questions so he could say. I concur. It was just like, oh my gosh! Like I had to get out of there. You literally worked at the office. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was literally. <laughs> so. My favorite, my favorite Christmas, Christmas there because I was there for two years, and the Christmas gift, you know. So I had done all the stuff. I built their first wholesale website. I, you know, done all these things. We, they were originally losing money. Now we were profitable again. So I was expecting like a good bonus based on our contracts that we had, and I see the owner who is walking around and he's handing out like Christmas cards and like little packages to people. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's nice. Whatever. And <laughs> He comes by and he, he sits on my. He was no joke. The gifts were were soaps and lotions from all the hotels he had stayed at that year. He had collected extra ones, and it was like a pre-printed like holiday gift card he had just signed, and then like a bottle of shampoo from the Marriott. <laughs> this is not like a joke. No, this he was dead. Serious. Here you go, Merry Christmas. I was like, you just bought a new Shelby. Why am I getting soap for, like... So that's what kind of, like, I was like, if, if this guy can do it and be successful, I need to stop making him money and just go do my own thing. So it was at the time I'd also just started uh, doing stuff with clothing design and apparel. So um, my mom had a company called, it's been a family business for, for 1985 called uh, Red Barn Ranch. And uh, because originally we had a big red barn, and her original store was called Behind the Red Barn, which is like a little farm shop that she had at the at the ranch there um so red barn ranch became our wholesale business and she was wholesaling all kinds of stuff and she started wholesaling some other people's clothing and my mentality of well how hard can it be to like come up with your own clothing line so um kind of started thinking of some concepts with that in 2007 we launched original cowgirl clothing company which is still in existence and still we still own that and mnp speed shop which is kind of a, a men's automotive lifestyle clothing line um so those two brands we launched in 2007 um, the blog was doing really good, and I just kind of said, I'm going to just jump full bore into the businesses that my family owns and that I have control over instead of working on other people's dreams. What made, what made you not go into those originally? Um, I don't know. I kind of wanted to forge my own thing and do I, – I, I was really um, doing really well in the car business. I, I'd come back from – so my, my career path was weird. I went to college hated college absolutely hated school i went to hillsdale college in michigan it's like my parents dream school for me to go to <laughs> i hated it it didn't work for me um so i spent like about a year there and i said this isn't working came back to Southern california and started working i really loved working and i worked in the auto restoration industry and from there um i ended up that job i learned a lot the the owner of the company really liked me poured a lot into me um it was the dawn of the internet I was the youngest person there. I knew how to turn on a computer, so I was always like the internet manager. I I was like the internet manager. So, um, and I I was learning early code stuff, so I could do some website stuff. And it was like, wow, you can you can send email and do something else. Like, yeah, I can do two things on a computer. (laughs) Like, so um, it was really cool because they let me do a lot of training and things like that. And so I I learned a lot there. And um, then that owner basically retired, and his. His vice president didn't like me, and that guy became president of the company. He really didn't like me because I was too young. I was too this. I, and I remember I was 21, and I sat down with him for my review. And I was considered manager at the time, and I was making half what every other manager was making. And he said, well, for your age and since you're not married, you're making enough money. And I was like, 
that's not how this is supposed to work. Yeah. So I literally just quit there. I said, I'm done. And I walked out. <laughs> like, also, it means that I can just yeah. cut ties. <laughs> so, so I quit and cash in my 401k because, you know, that's what you do when you're 21. And I went to Europe for a while and drove a Peugeot all over Europe um, and just took photos and, you know, started doing some road trip stories. That's one of the first, like, road trip stories I ever really wrote was, was, was my European road trip. And um, I came back and I started working for a, a Ford dealership. And again, it was like, again, the kind of dawn of the internet sales era. So again, hey, you know how to use a computer. You're the internet sales manager. And it was incredible because at the time, you know, like the OEMs were pouring so much money into internet sales. So, you know, I had all kinds of training from like the top internet marketing training people in the country oh, man, and all this stuff. So. So I, I got all this great education from that Ford and Lincoln and Kia and all them paid for, um, and it was great. And you know, ended up you know doing pretty well there, and was I was doing good. And then this company that I ended up quitting from had 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 headhunted me to come and work for them, um, and it worked good. I mean, it was it was great. You know, the job was great for like the first year, and then it was just like it just kept getting progressively dumber. I mean, we had deals where like. They had this dead inventory from decades ago that was like eating up our entire warehouse and was like literally like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I found a deal to sell all of it. And my boss is like, I'm like, cool, we just got to load up on the flatbed and drive it to Torrance. It's like an hour drive. I'll drive it myself. Let's get all this crap out of the warehouse. He's like, no, they need to they need to pay for shipping. It's a, it's the principle of the matter. I'm going, are you out of your mind? Like This is like a six-figure deal, man. Let's get rid of this crap. Uh, so I kind of just saw it as an opportunity to get out of that, and I figured if I could make money for other people, I could make money for myself. And my mom's business at the time was um, kind of really just developing the wholesale side of it. So um, there was kind of just it was just the right timing and opportunity to move into that. And um, my parents are actually moving here. Um, they'll be in, they actually bought a house in Grosbeck, so they'll be in Grosbeck, and uh, they they're they're moving here in a couple weeks. So. Uh, we're gonna move the whole business from California because it's still operating in California now. That's all moving to Grosbeck too. So, so you're moving the whole operation into like your family's moving all of these different operations into Grosbeck after what they like. Yeah. So you forging your own path <laughs> has brought your family. Yeah. It's Grosbeck. like a full circle. Yeah. Where... My sister, my sister and brother-in-law, they're uh, in uh, Lorena outside of Waco there, and uh, they're looking at you know moving some stuff to Grosbeck as too because they, they've got their own businesses and stuff that they're doing. So. Um, it's a family of entrepreneurs, man. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of how we grew up. My parents always had their own businesses. My dad's um, worked for a lot of different companies over the years, but he's um, now basically just doing consulting and works, you know, works for companies all over the country doing automotive design and marketing and things like that. So that's even better. There's no overhead. It's just him. Yeah, he he loves it. He he can work from home and wherever he's at, and it's it's been really good. So. Yeah, I'm excited to have them here, and uh, it'll be good to have all the businesses here at back kind of again. Because when I was in California, I was I could go out and like if I wanted to make one-off shirts and stuff, I could go do that, and we would make stuff. I did a lot of stuff when I was in California for like film and television, where they needed like one or two shirts for like a reproduction of like a, a vintage shirt for a TV show or for something oh, like that. Cool. So now that I'm not there physically, kind of finagle some of that stuff it, that we have been doing a lot of that, but we'll get more of that stuff when we uh, get everything back here. That's so. That's that's that is so cool that like the family sees your stuff. Did they did they enjoy Grosbeck when they came and visited, or oh, is it yeah. something they just like? Oh man, this is we need to come to Texas and like we want to move next to you because we see the success there, or there's opportunity, or did they just enjoy what they where they landed? Well, my sister and brother in law, they uh, I bought my building first, and then they said, "Cool, we're gonna move to Texas anyways." Because uh, at the time, he worked for a, a company that would allow him to transfer. And they were just tired of the the overhead of living in Southern California. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, they were in the Corona area, and your median house price there is like five hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it's a beat up old track house from the nineties that you've got to gut and fix everything in. So, for them, like just moving here and being able to have the same income, just you know, catapulted them forward as far as the things they could do. Um, and my my sister has her own business. She does um, high end vintage resale, hunts down like vintage clothing and you know couture stuff and things like that and does specialty resale and that's, that's what cool. she does online and she's all into that and that's a whole thing so they looked at the opportunities they had in california to do what they want to do here and they just said you know lifestyle wise everything worked better so since i was already playing my flag here i mean i i guarantee that if i had gone to idaho or north carolina they'd probably be be there too just because 
they wanted to they wanted to get out for a long time, and I was just kind of like, eh, someone's got to go and do it. Someone's got to go plant the flag. It so. took that first little. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like a, it's it's kind of like uh, what I say. Action sports stuff is a big part of my life, and uh, it's like. Before you never got to see anybody do tricks. Now they have YouTube. You can see everybody. Once oh, yeah. you see that it's be- like, once you see somebody do it, like, I could work on a trick forever, forever, yeah. and then I finally hit it, like I finally nail it. I've been working on this trick forever, and I land this trick. Well, then the kid who just saw behind me can go get it in like two tries. Yeah. And you're like, man, I worked super hard on this, <laughs> you know. But somebody's got to do it first. Somebody has to like accomplish this thing first yeah. and, and dip their toe in the water and make it real, like make it a realistic thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like my parents, you know, they my mom would have moved to Texas like ten years ago because my mom's whole side of the family is originally from Texas. Oh, cool. Um, my dad's side of the family been in California for like four generations, but my mom, my mom was the first of her family that was born in California. So her, my grandparents were originally from the Amarillo area. We got family in Corpus Christi and Midland and Dallas. We got family all over Texas. So wow. for my mom, uh, we spent a lot of time back in Texas when I was a kid visiting great-grandparents and grandparents. So for my mom, it was kind of like coming home. Um, and she's been pushing my dad. And then my dad left the company he was at a couple years ago and been doing the consulting thing. And they just everything just kind of meshed right, and they, they found a beautiful home in Grossback. I mean, it's got a pool and a detached garage, and it's on a half an acre, and it's just it's great. And it was like you know a tenth of what a house in California would cost. So yeah. you know they were like, yeah, let's just do that. So that's good. They're they're coming, and my grandmother's moving with them. That lives with them. My my grandmother Lil. So we're gonna have uh, three new Grossbeckians. Uh, Grossbeckians. I, I was teasing the uh, the city manager. It's like you do realize that the Satterfields are now a voting block. Um, so <laughs> we want to be lobbied too. You know? <laughs> we want to be lobbied. <laughs> there's, there's enough of us now. We can swing an election. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's been great. We're we're excited about it and seeing stuff happen there. And uh, yeah, kind of again bringing the businesses there and just you know being able to expand. I mean, that's the thing is like in California. You, know, you you don't have the you know you have to have a massive capital like to give you an idea I was looking at a similar building in the city of San Bernardino before I, I decided to finally move to Texas and first off San Bernardino is like one of the most dangerous cities in North America it's terrible I mean their, their police have like quit like they have like county sheriffs now that like patrol them I mean it's it's where the big San Bernardino shooting was the big terrorist attack I mean it's a pretty rough area so I was like but it's kind of the only affordable area still within oh, like geez. driving this to Los Angeles. And um, this building I was looking at was like $300,000 still. And while I was there, there was two car accidents and a shooting around the corner that I could audibly hear the gunshots. And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> no, this might not so, be yeah. the place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Texas has been good. I've been here now um, two years. Um yeah, it's been it's been really really good. Been really excited to be here and just uh, there's so much opportunity if you just want to work. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's just so much you can do here and there's so many of these towns. I mean, I would encourage anybody who's listening if you're if you're looking for opportunity, this the with the internet you don't need to be in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. Um, been to all those cities. I've been to you know Paris and Tokyo and all and I've lived in a lot of these cities and they're great and they have their own energy and the things they do, but. You know, you can go and, and and be a part of a community, own a part of downtown, not have to rent, and you can sell your widgets online from Grossbeck or anywhere else. I mean, there's just so much opportunity in these small towns. Yeah, and that's I guess that's what I was going to get to with this whole story, like wrapping it up, is that if people are looking at your your thing, they can go. You don't have to go very far. Like you can be very you can you can build something in all sorts of different places if you're looking. Like if you really want to make something happen with whatever it is, whatever you've got going on up in your head that you want to – like it, it doesn't have to be cars. It can be anything. You can b- make furniture. You can do – it's whatever you want to do. And and you bought the building, like this old rundown building, and you saw you, – you see life coming back into it. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really exciting to see like – and it's funny like me even just buying my building, all of a sudden we've seen other things happening in downtown and – I don't know if any of it's tied directly to that, but the fact that all of a sudden Grossbeck had like good press and things were happening, and like now we've got two or three new businesses downtown, the restaurants are busier, and we've got you know some really active retailers that are downtown now that are busy, and 
I mean, the weekends are still dead. Like, if you go to Grosbeck on a Saturday, there's <laughs> no one downtown. Um, but it's 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 got opportunity there, and like the 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 I guess the framework's already there. And that's that's the other thing is like, you know, you're not going to the frontier. People act like you know, people like I have friends from California. Like, what's it what's it like out there? It's like we I like I'm like oh man, it's really bad. Instead of driving three and a half hours in traffic to the airport. I drive an hour and a half through country roads to the airport. Like, that's the difference. It's like several towns yeah. over. Like, it's I, not like you just are right there. I don't have a down. Starbucks every exit. You know, I have to go two exits to a Starbucks. You know, it's not that ridiculously different. Um, yeah, it, it is. A, it is an adjustment. There's no good Thai food in Grosbeck <laughs> um, at like two o'clock in the morning. Um, I think my favorite thing. So you'll like this. Out of, at the Grosbeck Grand Prix, we had this kid from Austin who came up, and he drove his race car to the event and then left it at the event space and got someone to give him a ride to his hotel. Well, I'm, I'm running around like crazy. I walked 38 miles in three days running the event, just all over the place. And um, I get this call at like 7.30 in the morning, the day of practice, and he's like, hey, um, I didn't know who else to call. I, I've been waiting for an Uber for like an hour and a half, and there's no no Ubers. <laughs> I'm like you're you're in Grosbeck. There is no Uber here, man. Like, I, there might be one guy who signed up, but I don't think he's very active. So I drive out to the the Quality Inn that he's staying at, and he's standing in front of the hotel in his racing suit with his helmet. <laughs> like, get in, man. I'm like, I'll be your Uber. There's there's no Uber here. Was like, no he was Uber. so he was so like you know confused. Like, why isn't anyone coming to get me? Like, this is. Everybody has an Uber. Not really, <laughs> not, man. Not in Grossback. There's some so. parts of Texas where you're not going to have one. You're not gonna, you, might have cell, you may not have cell service as well as no Uber. So. That's very okay. true. That's very true. But that's one of the beautiful things about the area. Yeah, I mean, I, I love my drives out there. I turn the phone off, put a podcast on, and just cruise out down the road. It's great. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. No, it's been uh, great. I hope at, let everybody know where they can find out all the information about all the things you have going on. So yeah, uh, for the website, thegentlemanracer.com, everything's there, and there's links to all our social and things like that there. Um, uh, on Instagram, it's at thegentlemanracer. That's the big one everyone's using Instagram. Uh, and for Grossbeck Grand Prix, it's just grossbeckgrandprix.com, and there's all kinds of information on next year's event. We already have next year's event scheduled for uh, Labor Day weekend again next September, so... Um, a lot more information will be there. You can sign up for emails and information on when you know we have stuff coming out. And yeah, I mean everything's everything on those two sites pretty much. That's fantastic, man. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate yeah. you doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, review, share on social media, and all that good stuff. It really helps the podcast out. And go and support Mike and all of his different endeavors and the Grossbeck Grand Prix. I can't say enough about it. Thank you so much, Mike, for being on the show. And until the next episode, see ya.